welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. I'm editor Gray Lawson. Recently, I spoke with Sam Mitchell, the CTO of Multiverse Computing, which started as a fintech specializing in quantum computing. Early customers include BBVA and the Bank of Canada. Michel holds a PhD in quantum computing, and he was instrumental in developing Multiverse's Singularity, which is a spreadsheet app for quantum investment optimization that makes quantum algorithms accessible. I asked him to explain what makes quantum computing unique. In standard, what we call classical computing, that's really well adapted to doing certain operations, like, for instance, additions and multiplications are very, very easy. Uh, for classical computing. And then quantum computing is well adapted to do a whole different set of operations. So you can think of quantum computing as we're using different basic laws to make calculations. And in the future, we'll probably see that classical and quantum computing are actually very um, compatible, basically. So we'll use classical for some things and quantum for some things. Uh, the type of things that quantum computing is well adapted to doing is, for instance, looking for an item in a list. If you take the phone book and you want to find a specific phone number in it, uh, this is actually really difficult to do with normal computing. You have to look at every single phone number until you find the right one. And one of the really big victories of quantum computing, one of the first victories that really started off the field was we realized that, so we have a very good understanding of how much time it's going to take us uh, with classical computing to find that phone number. And we realized that with quantum computing, uh, we could beat that time by quite a lot, uh, by uh, root to the number, of, the number of phone numbers you've got. So if, if you've got a very long list, this can be really significant and uh, might be, for instance, part of the reason why Google is so interested in investing so much in quantum computing. Um, quantum computing is also good at things like training machine learning models, which right now is costing an awful lot of energy and an awful lot of our computational power. Um, so so really good at things like really difficult optimization problems, um, which are everywhere, uh, particularly in finance. So that's kind of a... <laughs> so I have a sort of silly question, I guess, but like how big is a quantum computer? Is it it's sort of like back in the old days when, you know, my, my cell phone now is the power of what used to be a, a room full of computers? Are we at that stage with quantum computers or are they relatively small? <laughs> Yeah, so we're kind of like, physicists like to think that we're in the 40s or 50s of classical computing with quantum computers. So your regular quantum computer is about as big as this room. So for those of you that can't see this room, it's about three meters by three meters. And most of that space is usually a huge fridge. Um, most quantum computers need to be kept very close to absolute zero. So that's uh, minus 270 degrees Celsius. Um, and your chip where the computations are happening is actually quite small. And then all the rest of it is this huge fridge. Wow. So what makes it a quantum computer versus a regular computer? Is that too big a question? 
No, really not. So we're in the middle of what we call the second quantum revolution. The first quantum revolution was everything like lasers and semiconductors. Uh, these things use quantum physics. Uh, quantum physics is the science that controls electrons and atoms and light particles. So you need that science to be able to make a laser or to be able to make a semiconductor. Um, there is an additional element that we're now using in what we call the second quantum revolution. And this is, let's now have quantum properties over many elements in the system. So we're not using quantum properties to produce one photon or using quantum properties to control how one electron flows through a semiconductor. We're now going to use, okay, this um, bit of information over here is bound somehow to another bit of information, and that's going to allow us to um, do calculations faster. So this property is called correlation, and uh, this is really the, um, we're, we're really using uh, these, this new resource basically to do calculations in quantum computers. So it's very different than what we have now on our desktop, it sounds like, in terms of how it works. Um, Maybe it's useful to think of it as actually not that different. In a, in a classical computer, you have a bit of information uh, that can be zero or one. And then when you apply an operation, you can apply uh, uh, binary gates. So things like ands and ors and nots. And uh, by composing these things, you're able to do calculations. And in quantum computing, uh, you also have bits of information, uh, but we use quantum properties so that these can be simultaneously zero and one at the same time. This is a weird thing uh, that we don't know why it happens. We, we've just observed that in quantum physics, this type of thing can happen. And then I still apply operations on my, um, on my bits, like knots and ors. And when I apply that operation, I'm doing it simultaneously to both pieces of information, both the zero and the one. So I've created essentially a parallel computing uh, machine uh, that implements that very naturally. Uh, the big difference is for one part, I'm able to do these operations in parallel natively, which isn't possible on a normal computer. And uh, for another part, the uh, gates that we have are actually different. So I don't have an AND gate on my quantum computer. Um, instead, I've got something else that's called a Toffoli gate. I see. And so does that mean that that you use the, can you use the same programming languages on a quantum computer then? Yes and no. Um, that's a good question. Okay, so we interact with, when, when we write a code for a quantum computer, we write it in Python. So Python, very standard uh, programming language that's available to everyone. Um, so, the way we interact with the quantum computer is the same as in we're using the same language. However, 
um, what that language is actually doing is on the level of the quantum computer, it's controlling which laser is going to shoot at which time and which bit do you want to like carry around to where and things like this. Um, and so we've used Python to create new programming language new programming languages. Examples of this are uh, Qiskit and Circ and PennyLane. And uh, these programming languages um, uh, uh, act as an interface between Python, Python and the actual computer. I see. Um, so, I know banks are pursuing quantum computers, some of the bigger banks. Do you, do you have any idea what they're pursuing it to what end? Or maybe it's a better question just to say, what are the applications for financial institutions, particularly when it comes to automation with quantum computing? Absolutely. Yeah, this is a great question. I think um, many banks have uh, the same problems at the end of the day. They struggle with okay, if I issue a loan to a customer, what's the risk associated with that loan? What's the risk that um, my customer's credit score is going to decay massively over the lifetime of the loan? And these are uh, things that you tackle through machine learning. And there's lots of examples like this. So problems associated to credit scoring, to fraud detection, to anti-money laundering, to customer propensity. If I offer my customer Bob a credit card, what's, what's the likelihood that he's going to, to accept to start a credit card plan? Um, so these are very, very difficult and very high worth uh, problems that all banks struggle with. Um, and the underlying machine learning algorithms we know we have lots of evidence that you're able to train these uh, faster on quantum computers. And so there's a lot of interest in, in that direction, essentially. Uh, so this ties into your automation uh, question. The uh, other areas um, the banks can, can find lots of value from quantum computing is optimization in finance. Things like, okay, portfolio optimization or um, index tracking, collateral opera optimization, portfolio stress testing. There's a whole like um, wealth of problems out there that are extremely high value that um, where banks can extract um, a lot of value from quantum computing. Um, finally, and maybe the most like ambitious an exciting area is uh, everything that has to do with pricing applications and market forecasts. The way we usually do this is we'll make a lot of simulations, uh, random simulations of what the market is going to do, and uh, then make like use averages over all those simulations to make predictions. Um, this is extremely intensive from a computing point of view. Uh, banks very often run computations that are more than 24 hours long to, to price exotic options. And 
again, in this domain, there's lots of evidence that uh, this might be something that quantum computers can can do much much faster. And you work, you're the CTO of Multiverse Computing. Um, can you explain a bit about Multiverse Computing and your work with quantum computing there? And then I know you have big clients. How, how are they using your product? So um, Multiverse Computing, we started out as a, uh, as a FinTech essentially. So we said, let's tackle really difficult problems uh, in finance and let's do it using quantum computing and uh, using a, a classical algorithm which we call quantum inspired, uh, called tensor networks, which is different from TensorFlow. Um, and now, uh, so we started out uh, three years ago, and and now we're we're at a stage where uh, we're branching out a little bit. We've seen lots of areas where we can add value in quantum computing, and we've had lots of uh, big clients. Um, We've uh, just announced yesterday, actually, uh, some work that we've been doing with Bank of Canada for the past 10 months. That was an extremely uh, interesting project where we were looking at how will quantum computing um, affect our ability to predict uh, the effective regulations for, um, for cryptocurrencies. Um, We've worked with a lot of banks. We've worked with uh, BBVA, Caixa, which are two major Spanish banks. Uh, we're working with Crédit Agricole. Um, so that's the world's 11th biggest bank. We're also working with American banks. Um, and then recently, and, and the Spanish tax agency, that was a really interesting project in uh, tax fraud detection. And, um, Recently, something really interesting happened where players from other fields started approaching us and said, hey, you've got this great uh, portfolio optimization uh, solution. We actually think that uh, this can be applied to optimizing energy markets. It turns out both problems are very similar. So who do I buy my energy from? How much do I sell it for? And things like this. Um, and so that's a very successful project that we've been doing with a major petrochemical um, and uh, energy management company called uh, Repsol in Spain. And uh, we've recently also started a multi-year, multi-million euro uh, project with uh, Bosch in smart manufacturing. So there's some extremely interesting problems we can tackle there, especially that have to do with predictive maintenance. So what makes a problem good for quantum computing over regular computing? What are the hallmarks of what you look for in a project? So you kind of want four things simultaneously. Um, first, you need your problem to be uh, quite a small input. Uh, the reality of quantum computers at the moment is that the processes are still quite small. We, we have for the largest processors, a thousand uh, bits to play around with. So your inputs have to be quite small. You want um, there to be a lot of intermediate states. So for the portfolio optimization example, for instance, uh, there's a very large number of portfolios that you can, that you can build, right? And so this is, this is going to like, 
And so the portfolio optimization state would fulfill that condition. Uh, you also want it to be a very high value problem. Um, and ideally something that you'd have to run very often. Uh, the thing is though quantum computing is very expensive. And so you need to, to justify that investment. And finally, uh, you need it to be a problem that's very hard to solve classically. Um, so in the ideal case, for instance, ISA, or uh, looking for a number in the list, your best solution is to brute force it. I'm just going to look at all options until I find the right one. And so this is a really well-suited problem for, to tackle with uh, quantum computing. So as part of multiverse computing, do you actually have the quantum computer yourselves and they sort of use it as a service or how does that work? So we don't own any quantum computers. We're, we're a software company. We, we build software for our clients and um, uh, our software relies on many different backends. So we have partnerships with all the big uh, quantum software companies out there from like D-Wave to IBM. Uh, we have partnerships with Microsoft, AWS, with um, Pascal is a really good partner of us, IonQ, Xanadu. And uh, we have access to all these quantum computers through the cloud. And a big part of the value that we'll bring is when the client approaches us with a specific problem, we'll tell them, ah, your problem is actually amenable to be solved with this particular solution. And the best um, hardware to run it on is this particular piece of hardware. And we'll develop a solution. And when I say it like this, it sounds like we're a service company, but there's a whole, whole part afterwards where we take that solution and integrate it into our toolbox. So um, we're, we're a SaaS company and, and we're working on developing this big tool that we can then license out to many customers. Okay, and it, and the banks have they had you had uh, has there been commonality between what they've had you work on? Are they all different? Can you talk about any of those projects? Absolutely. Um, so with uh, BBVA and Keisha, we've been doing a lot of work on portfolio optimization, and in this case, this is an interesting problem, especially when you're going to start adding okay, maybe I don't want to just buy some assets and hold them. Maybe I'm actually interested in, in changing my holdings with time. Um, and then it becomes a very, very difficult problem. An example of that is, for instance, okay, I know the, so if I'm just saying name like Fidelity or BlackRock, I know that my customers want to buy this particular, I need to constitute this particular portfolio. However, if I buy everything in one go, this is going to cause a significant market impact and I'm actually going to lose a lot of money from that. So I've got my target portfolio and then I need to, I need to through a sequence of buys and sells, get to that target portfolio. And the, the, the optimization problem to get to that target portfolio while reducing market impact is actually a very, very difficult one. Um, aside from that, um, with uh, Crédit Agricole, uh, so once again, world's 11th biggest bank, uh, we've had two projects on the go with them. One of them um, 
has been has had to do with this uh, credit scoring problem. So let's identify which of the customers are actually going to stop being investment grade over the last lifetime of a loan. Uh, the other one is an exotic option pricing problem uh, that we're tackling with Tensor Networks. Um, these two are very much a work in progress, but we're really getting some, some very, very exciting results. So I'd expect that in the next um, two or three months, we should see some fairly high impact publication coming out of this. So if you could say one thing or you know, one general statement to, to banks about this technology, what would you want them to know? It doesn't have to be just one. <laughs> no, I like the question. Um, I think I think quantum computing, one thing that I've seen from talking to a lot of banks is that um, generally uh, banks are very excited about accelerating Monte Carlo uh, calculations. Um, and I think that there's a missed opportunity here because as a bank, what you want to do is not to accelerate whatever like calculation you're using. Um, so Monte Carlo is a, is a very uh, used and very general um, method for solving lots of problems. Um, and you're not actually interested in, in doing that. You're, you're actually interested in solving a particular problem and, and you know that you use Monte Carlo to solve that particular problem. Like for instance, you want to price a Bermuda option and you're going to use Monte Carlo for that. And you see Monte Carlo is taking lots of your computational capacity. Um, and in a lot of cases, you're, you're better off trying to think about what other means, if, if you're thinking about applying uh, quantum computing to this problem, rather than being stuck on the idea of uh, accelerating Monte Carlo, you're better off thinking, what other ways are there of pricing Bermuda options? And then, um, and then seeing where quantum computing can have an effect there. You've been listening to The Buzz, a Bank Automation News podcast. Thank you for your time, and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please don't hesitate to rate this podcast on your platform of choice.